0: I want to talk to you today about one of my very favorite Old Testament books. It'd be interesting to know if like you have a favorite Old Testament book, do you have a favorite New Testament book? Well, we may have several. I didn't say it's my only, but the book of Job, for various reasons, would be one of my very favorite Old Testament books. Now, it's somewhat a long book. It has 42 chapters. Now, there are Longer books in the Bible, but that's pretty good. If you compare that, like to the Book of James or Philemon or some of these other shorter books, I mean, great, Dave. This is—you'd have to say it's kind of a long book, but it it, really—it's really a a simple book. If you just read through the whole book, maybe two or three times, it, even though it's forty-two chapters, you know, the characters aren't very many. There's God, and there's the devil, and then we have these three well-known friends of Job, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. And then when you get down to chapter 32, verse two, I think it is, you have this younger friend that surfaces named Elihu. And so, I mean, that's the whole cast of this book. But I really think one of the reasons that it's one of my very favorite books is that in the book of Job, there are what I would call some very classic verses. I mean, they they are not only a classic in the book of Job. For example, look on page 453. Now, that page is numbered. You'll be in Job chapter 5. Look at verse 7, Job chapter 5, verse 7. Here's a classic verse. It says, man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. I used that in a sermon I preached here two Sundays ago. The Bible is just very clear here and elsewhere that mankind, we live in a fallen world, and as certain as sparks fly upward from the fire, uh, man is going to be experiencing trouble. That's just a classic verse. Now, turn over in chapter 13. Now, you're going to need your Bible a little bit more today than normal. I do want to show you a little verse or two. In chapter 13, verse 15, many say this is perhaps the, the best example of faith The greatest statement of faith in all the Bible, Job said, though God slay me, yet I will trust him. Now that is a tremendous statement of faith. Think that through. A man is saying, no matter what comes my way, no matter, I'm going to trust God. And then in the neighborhood, look in chapter 14. In verse 1, here's another classic statement in the book of Job. It kind of goes back to the verse in chapter 5, but in chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Man who is born of woman is of a few days and full of trouble. Well, you know, if you think that verse through, uh, unless you got here some other way, (laughs) you are going to have trouble. Now, Adam and Eve got here another way, and they made a bad choice and they had huge trouble. That'd be a sermon for another time. But all of us have been born of man and woman, and that verse is just reemphasizing what the verse teaches. Now, I'll tell you another reason that I, I love the book of Job. It has a lot to say about friends. Number one, the kind of friend you want, or let me make that plural, the kind of friends that you want, and then the kind of friend that you and I want to be. Uh, we, we don't have time to read about that, but go back in chapter 2. Go back in Job chapter 2. Let me just give you an example. Now, here, here's, here's the kind of friends that we really want. You know, when, if you look in chapter 2 in verse number 11, it says, when Job's three friends heard of all this adversity. Now, we're going to read about it in just a moment back in chapter 1. They heard all this bad stuff that had happened to Job. And it names these three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. Now, when they heard about what had happened to their friend Job, look in verse 13 what they did. They they came to him, and they sat down with him on the ground seven days and seven nights. Now, here's the the biggie. (laughs) And no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his grief was very great. They showed up, and they shut up. How many friends do you have like that? Well, you know, first of all, if you if you really... My mother used to say to me, and I never did understand when she said it, but I've learned, I, I do understand it better now. Mother used to say to me, or she'd just say, I'm not sure she was sent to me. I can just hear her now say it. When you go through hard things in life, you'll be amazed who shows up and who doesn't show up. And I don't know if she was trying to prepare me or she was just saying what she felt. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of truth in that. When you go through hard things, (laughs) it is amazing who shows up and it's kind of sometimes disheartening who doesn't show up. But here, here are these friends, they showed up and they sat down and they didn't say a word for seven days. Now, you know, (sighs) I I praise God for friends like that, but at the very same time, I want God to help me be that kind of friend. That if I have someone that's dear to me and they're going through something hard, you can't always show up physically. They may be a thousand miles from you, but there is the telephone and uh, you know, and even cards. Boy, when people are going through hard things, uh, a card in the mail uh, or a phone call is a, is a beautiful thing. But now, another thing that it has to say here about these friends that we want to kind of be on guard, if you we don't have time to do it, but if you start reading uh, in chapter number four, and we can't do that, and you read all the way through chapter 32, verse one, what you find is you just find these friends telling Job why he's having all these problems. And we need to guard against, you know, when we show up, it's not saying, well, you know, the reason you're going through this is because this, and you did that wrong, you did that wrong, you did that wrong. And it's kind of, and now over in chapter 32, verse two, we don't have time to look at that. This young friend shows up, Elihu, and and he does have some things to say about Job a couple of things about his pride and arrogance, but on top of that, uh, he, he really says, you know, what, what these other guys have said, uh, is it's not only shouldn't have been said, it was wrong. Well, all that being said, go back now to where we wanted to be on the page that has no number, page 451 in chapter number one. Now, this is my favorite chapter in the book of this book of Job. And we won't have time to read it all, but we we'll read some of it. Look with me. In in Job chapter one verse one it says, "There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job." Now, now Uz, you remember Mo, uh, Moses when he killed the uh, when he killed the Egyptian, buried him in the sand, and found out that Pharaoh had heard about it. He fled to Midian and lived there forty years. Well, Uz is adjacent to Midian, so that's kind of where. It, so it's a real place. And this man is a real man. Now, Job, Bible Bible scholars tell us that you know the events in this book are far older than when the book was written. The book was written long after uh, the, the Job had lived. The, the events probably took place somewhere uh, after. Uh, the Babel experience in Genesis chapter 11 and before Abraham came on the scene or contemporaneous with that. So the events were from long ago, but they've been written at a later time, but it tells about this man. And this is what was known about the man. Uh, He was blameless. He was upright. He feared God and shunned evil. Now that's a good man. That'd be a good woman that's a good person. And then of course, you know the story. He had these seven sons and three daughters and he had all these possessions. In fact, in the last of verse three says he was the greatest of all the people in the East. And then in verse four, it says his sons would go and feast in their houses each on the appointed day and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course, that Job, now this says a lot about Job, would send and sanctify them and would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. Now look, any caring godly parent is going to always pray for their children. Could I have an amen to that? And it's interesting, you know, when you think about that, the danger of sin is ever present at times of enjoyment. I thought much, I mean, they're having a, a jolly old time here at this feast. and in times like that, it seems like sin it, 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 somehow you you let your guard down if you're not careful, um, sin kind of surfaces. Well, when you come to verse six, it says, now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Now, this is the angelic host. The angels come to present themselves before God. And, and, and not only that, Satan, he comes also. Now, God kicks Satan out of heaven back in Isaiah chapter 14. But interesting thing is Satan has access to heaven. He can't abide there. But he has access. He can come and go. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered God and said, From going to and forth on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him on the earth. He's blameless, he's upright, he fears God, and he, one who fears and turns and shuns from evil. Now, doesn't mean that Job was sinless. But he was beyond reproach in conduct and character. None of us are sinless, but we can be beyond reproach in conduct and character. We'll still, we'll still sin, but that won't be who we are. That won't be our lifestyle. And that's the message about Job. So Satan answered the Lord and said, in verse 9, Does Job fear God for nothing? He said, God, reason he's such a godly man, you're just so good to him. Uh, You're just so good to him. You've blessed him with all these things he has. You've made a hedge around him, around his household, around all he has on every side. You've blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But then the devil said to God, now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you and curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, now this is a key verse. Behold, all that he has is in your power. See, God's still sovereign over the devil. He said, only do not let you can do whatever you want to, to Job, but you cannot lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now, beginning with verse 13, and because of time, we won't dare have time to read all this. But if you begin with verse 13 and you read on down through verse 19, it's a sad portion of scripture as we read about all the things that Job lost. He lost his animals. He lost his servants. It's just this one, all this bad news just keeps coming about what's happening. And then the worst of all, he lost his 10 children. And you know, it's a great lesson than that, <laughs> it, you know, things really don't matter. People matter. Isn't that true? You know, if Dottie called me today and said, I've just had a wreck and I pray I don't get that phone call. You know, my first concern would be not how bad a shape is the car but how are you doing? And uh, um, if I said to her, oh my gracious, is the car badly hurt? And didn't ask about her. uh, I I would have a real problem on my hands and and should. Well, it's sad to see. Now here's what makes this my favorite chapter. This is where I've been trying to to get us. What makes it my favorite chapter is after all this stuff happened and we all have things happen, the fascinating thing to me is what Job did and then what Job said, and then what Job did not do and say. And I want us to look at it real quickly. In verse 20, here, here's the first thing Job did. Now, now you, you've had things come your way. It's none of us to my, uh, I wouldn't think have had as much loss at one time as, as he, but we've all had stuff. And like, you know, how wh- what's it? Well, what what do we do when these kind of things happen? Well, here's what Job did. He arose, tore his robe, shaved his head. That's a, that's a custom of mourning that day. But here's the big deal. He fell to the ground and he worshiped God. That's what he did. That's interesting. Now, what he said, this has always fascinated me. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked shall I return there. The Lord gave. The Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's what he said. That's always just, the, 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 just I read that. And I feel, I've thought about that endless times. And then in verse 22, what he did not do and what he did not say. Boy, now that always says a lot about where we are spiritually. It says in all of this, where well, you talk about all of this, all of this bad stuff all these losses he had, worst of all, all 10 of his kids. In all of this, Job, now watch this, did not sin nor charge God with wrong. What did he do? (laughs) He didn't blame God. He did not blame God. And how many times in my ministry, seeing people go through really bad things on some occasions, To say, why in the world would God let this happen? Well, I preached about that two Sundays ago, why why bad things happen to good people. Um, Not because of any great sermon, but it was a helpful sermon. If you've not heard that sermon, you go to our church webpage and put it up. It'd probably be something that might be of a a help to you or help you maybe help someone else. But I've always been fascinated that. Now, you know, I talk about this book of Job being one of my uh, favorite books in the Old Testament uh, a personal word about it you know even in seminary of course your, your your basic seminary is three years and then when you do your doctoral work it's it's some more but the basic theological degree is is three years for for a minister now the music school and the education schools two years that's why none of them are smart as we are. We were there three more years. <laughs> now, they'll, they'll explain it differently. They'll say they're so smart, they could do it in two years. But anyway, in, in the theology school, when I went, now I have no idea what the requirements are now, but you were required to take so many courses that you, now you're only there three years. You, you had very little what's called electives. Now, in the in theology school, we only had (laughs) we only had two electives in the whole three years. Everything else would be required. You have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. And one of my two electives, you had to do it, you could do an Old Testament elective, and you could do a New Testament elective. And my Old Testament elective was the book of Job. I've always been fascinated. So I had an entire semester reading. Just, I mean, backwards and forwards, you'd, it was, it was a, really a hard course. It was not very, I, sometimes I wished I hadn't chosen the book of Job to be my elective. I did so because I liked the professor that was going to teach it. I thought, now he's a good professor. I've had him for other classes or one other class, and, and I did. But that's going back a long way. So, but I, I mention that to say this book has really meant a lot to me for a long time. And the thing that has meant so much to me in this book is the end of chapter one. Now, I was like, you know, I would have been, well, probably 30 years old when I took the course in seminary in Job because I had another year to go. And um, so that's just been a long time ago. But this end of this chapter one, I've always thought, and as we've journeyed through life and seen... Bad things happen to good people, and then we've had things happen in our family that you would wish had not happened, and you wonder about these things. And then I'm always reminded, my mind just always goes back to how Job responded, what he did, what he said, what he didn't do, and, and what he didn't say. And I remember one day of my praying. I don't exactly remember them. I remember where it was. I remember where it was. It was early one morning, somewhere before probably about 1972, because I went to Tennessee in 73, and it was right before that. But be that as it may, I was in an airport, a little small airport, one morning before daybreak, uh, waiting to kind of catch a little small plane to get me back to, I don't remember where, to catch a plane to get me back to Fort Worth, and I'd been there to preach, and I had my I had my seminary Bible. I had the one Bible that I used all the way through seminary. And I was sitting in that little 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 airport, and it was still dark outside, waiting on this little plane. And I was I was reading the book of Job, and the thought came to my mind, and I prayed it and I asked God. Now I've asked God many times since then. God help me, no matter what my life has ahead. Now you're a guy like thirty. 30 years old, maybe almost 31. And I don't have any idea what's ahead. But I said, God, I really want to be like Job at the end of chapter one. And in that little airport that morning, as clear as I know the voice of God, I felt God say to me something I've never forgotten. God said to me, if you want to be like Job at the end of chapter one, You need to be like Job at the beginning of chapter one. And I've never forgotten that. And I've never never gotten there either. But, but, you know, I, I say all that to say to you, none of us know what's out there. We really don't know how it's going to come about. But I do believe this with all my heart, that what God spoke to my heart that day was preparing me for whatever. You know, my focus needs to be to be And if I'll do that, be what old Joe would, let that be you go, blameless, upright, fear, respect God, and shun evil. If you live that way, whatever comes down here on the other end, you'll be just like he was at the end of the chapter. And so Father, you know, it just, I was thinking about that yesterday and I was just, for so many years, God, I mean, I was like 30, maybe almost 31 years old at the time. And God, here I am, 81 years old. And I've never forgotten that little morning in that airport. And just reading my Bible. I don't remember if I was preparing for something in a class or what, but I was just sitting there reading that Bible. And I was in the book of Job. And I read the end of this chapter, and I just thought, God, help me to be that kind of man. And as clear as I know your voice, God, you made made it clear to me how to do it. And, Lord, I'll never be a hundred percent, but I pray for myself and every one of us here that our goal is before God himself, that we would be people that, that, just like old Job, that try to live a life that's blameless and upright, one that respects you and shuns evil, God, and be beyond reproach in character and conduct is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.